Hey, everybody. Dr. Z, welcome to the show. Uh, this is Dr. John Aston. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. Good to see you. <laughs> welcome back to the show. Thank you. Happy so, to be here. Man, so John's been on a couple times now. He is a teacher, a professor, a musician, a um, author of this book and several others, actually, uh, This Extraordinary Moment. The reason John and I connected is that I heard him on Sam Harris's Waking Up app doing uh, meditations and a an interview about this moment, which is all there is. Exactly. And I thought, you know, that seems right. <laughs> Let's have you on the show and talk about all the things and we become friends and hang out. And you're, you very powerfully point when I hang out with you to past all this mind noise and projection into future and past and trying to put words on things that are wordless mm. to just this experience. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Try, you know, we're so accustomed to you know, the power of language, right? The power of this, all this stuff that seems to be describable, what we call the world, the world of experience, the world of circumstance. And it turns out that it's far less describable and conceivable than we typically imagine. I would say it's absolutely beyond description and conceivability. Yes. You know, so this was a thing. And by the way, so everyone who's coming in on YouTube now, we're live right now because it's the present moment. You can't be here now without being here now. Although people will be here on the replay too, which yes. is also now. <laughs> um, the um, What we're going to do is we're doing a Q&A thing. So if you leave your questions here, um, I can pin the questions that we're going to answer and we can dig into them. Um, but, it, but it's funny. So this idea of the inconceivability of this mm -hmm. hit me the other day, I was at dinner with my wife and we, prior to going to dinner, we, you know, our Apple TV has a setting where it can pull up old photos from your photos mm -hmm. and just kind of tile them up. And of course it was like old vacation photos, our kids, when they were little babies and all this other crazy, beautiful things. And we were like, Oh, remember that? Remember this? Remember mm -hmm. that? Remember this? And I was thinking at dinner and it just hit me clearly. I was like, none of that happened. Like none of those things happened in the way that my mind is constructing them. They did have, I mean, something happened then, right. <laughs> but it was this radiant present moment experience like we're having now mm -hmm. that it was so beyond description, beyond memory, beyond thought that it's almost as if any conception of what happened simply is incorrect. Yeah, the the um, this is an extraordinary thing to discover and it you know, to, to, to explore the way in which what's happening in every moment is absolutely transcends what we think is happening. And, but we're very, very accustomed to believing that we know what this is, that we have actually succeeded at encapsulating the moment with our concepts, mm. that we actually have knowledge about, about what is occurring and it's a very compelling sense that we have, isn't it? That that we know what's going down, that we know what's happening, that we are actually able to conceive of it. But investigation reveals that the moment is um, inherently transcendental in the sense of transcending all of our frames of reference. And I think it's actually quite simple to see this um, Maybe the challenge is, is that the narratives, the descriptions, the definitions, and so on of things are, well, it's very much a habit that we have 
of orienting to all the descriptions of what's occurring right now in every moment, orienting to them as really the sole reality that somehow, um, in fact, reality is what we think it is. That's the, that's the sort of default human sort of belief. And it turns out that reality is, well, the good news is, is that it's much, much more. It's much, much better. It's much richer. It's much, va- much vaster um, and uh, much more fulfilling than our concepts typically lead us to believe. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. And, and you said something, I think that's, that's, or intimated something that's important in my experience, which is the thought-based world of conceptualizing experience and mm-hmm. describing it in words and reducing it to something such that we feel like there's some way that things are, mm-hmm. that they're nailed down, right. that they're solid, that they last in time, that they're in a place in space and that they're separate from us right. as the observer. Mm-hmm. That um, There's nothing wrong with that in itself, no. that, that sort of sense. What what may be challenging is when that's the only way we're able to appreciate this moment because attention is trapped in that sense, in a sense. It seems to be trapped. Seems yeah. to be trapped. It seems to be trapped. Seems to be, that's key, yeah. Because that's the, the, the idea that, that there is someone trapped in something is actually also is, defined as new existence. Is a concept, right? yeah. And it's not that it's not a real experience that we can have of whatever, feeling stuck in some mental emotional state or overwhelmed by something that's occurring circumstantially. I mean, that's a real human experience. Um, so there's no denying, from my standpoint, there's no denying the, if you will, seemingly describable world, right? That's, that's you know, I'm sitting with my friend having a conversation. That's a description, right, of this, a way that this seems to appear and can be seemingly described. So there's no denying that. But at the same time, if we feel what's happening rather than merely conceptualize what's happening, we feel the presence of what's happening, it's much weirder than that. It's much less um, resolvable than language suggests. Because that's that's the sense of language in a way, languaging the world of experience is in a sense coming to a conclusion, a final conclusion in a sense of what it is. Oh, it's this and whatever, fill in the blank, whatever word I'm giving it, whatever label I'm placing upon it, the mind is placing upon it. But it's it's extraordinary, and for me, never ceases to amaze me that the feeling of this moment, the felt sense of the moment, has no final conclusion as to what it actually is. In other words, I could feel into what's here, explore what's here as a feeling sense, as a felt sense. When I say feeling, I don't mean emotion. I just mean a as in the same way that you would feel water on your hand. Experientially. Felt, you feel the sense mm-hmm. of this experience, the presence of it. And if you were to, if it were like a body of water, an underwater world, and you were to then explore this experience, the exploration would have no end. In other words, you would never, if I gave everyone listening um, to this, you know, from now until the end of time to explore the moment of what's actually, to find what's actually here experientially, there would be no end to that exploration, would there? It's endless. And that's when I, when I use the word infinite, which I do a lot in my work, that's what I'm referring to is the endlessness of this, that it never, it has no bottom to it. You don't 
explore it enough so that you can finally reach the conclusion. It just turns out that there is no final conclusion. Yeah, yeah. And you know, everywhere we look, we see. I mean, math is probably a, a very simple way to see the evidence of the inconclusive nature of this, because the math that is now being utilized to describe the nature of matter, the nature of the material world, the math itself has no resolution, which is quite interesting. Like we don't actually know what the math, you take something like pi, right? We don't know what pi is. It has no final conclusion. Well, that's extraordinary because it turns out that that all of this is completely open-ended. It doesn't have... It doesn't have an actual resolvable explanation or definition or description. And that runs counter to everything we think to be the case about life, pretty much. Which is remarkable because it's a conceptual thing that we've created that says this is counter to what what we experience, but then we experience a circle. Mm-hmm. A circle is infinite. Right. Like how how far it is around that circle, that circumference, is only dependent on how finely you measure right. the gradient. And and it's it's infinity in itself related to pi, of course. Mm-hmm. And and so nature is showing us constantly its infinite, ungraspable magnificence all the time. Let me let all me all the time. Let me peek at some comments here. Serenish says, Oh my God, guys, just thinking of the now being the most amazing thing, you know? And it's funny because even the language is I was thinking about right. the now, right? Right. Because you how you can also, I think what she's pointing at is experiencing just this. Um it is the most amazing thing. It, it is. is absolutely even that there even is a moment. <laughs> yeah. That something is actually even here seemingly occurring, arising is mind-blowingly astonishing. I mean, and how it is coming about and it's here just immediately with no findable beginning. It's just, this moment is just here inexplicably and that's the miracle. And and that relates to Emily Anderson's question. Why here? Why now? Why in this body? That's my question. Well, I mean, from my standpoint, the the... There's no answer to that question. I mean, the why is the moment is its own answer in a sense. It's here because it is here. It is its nature to be here, right? This the nature of reality is for it to be as it is, to appear as it appears, and it's there's no for me. There's no human explanation that answers the question of why. It's it's its own. My sense when 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 we feel reality, we feel something that feels intrinsically meaningful, not in some sort of logical conceptual sense of oh it means you know and then i write a sentence of what it means but more like the very existence of this moment the miraculous existence of this moment is its own meaning intrinsically meaningful so yeah. that that renders the question why sort of to me not well unanswerable and I- yeah, Un- unnecessary. Uh, yeah, you know it's weird. I find myself in these philosophical conversations with people who ask me these questions, mm-hmm. which are very valid questions from the standpoint of mind. Mm-hmm. From the standpoint of mind, mind is trying to grasp, to make whole, to to understand from a separate sense why, who, how, mm-hmm. and that's great. That's what the mind does. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. But then there's this knowing that of this, where it's so clear that. And it'll make you laugh. Like you'll just break out laughing. You go, that's it. Why are we? Yeah, that's funny. Like th- that, of course we would ask that question. And of course there's absolutely no question or answer there in a way. It's just more mind stuff, which is great. 
Well, that, that's the funny thing. Like it's like the, the, the conceiving apparatus of consciousness is in a sense trying to get a handle on this, right? Yeah. Like, you know, what is this? What is this? Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful aspiration on the one hand, but it's also um, an impossible, you know, it's like there's no handle on this. Yeah. It doesn't have a handle. It's just, um, it's, it's pure open-endedness with yeah. no actual, there's no actual resolution to what this is. And, and actually that goes right into a great question from Robert uh, Mood, who says, do you have a simple and direct practice to demonstrate the unbinding experience to realize this? So mm-hmm. yeah, well, how, how, do you, how do you point at this? Well, I think the simplest way that that I approach it is um, our our habit, as I was saying earlier, to is to orient to the descriptions as being what this is. You know, pick pick any state of mind. You know, fear. So that's a description of something, right? So, and the description. This is the 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 kind of facile nature of language. Is it's it's it leads us to believe like I actually do know what it is, and I've got a name for it, and I can talk to you about it, and seem to convey something. And if you tell me about your fear, we can you know, exchange notes about that experience and we have some understanding of what it is. Um, so that's great. But that's fear is a label, we could say an interpretation of something, right? That's there, something that's palpably present. We'd say it's some kind of like pattern recognition. So I recognize, oh, it's a familiar pattern to us, which is how we have a name for it because we can put it in a category, fear. But what actually is there? that we're calling fear, what's actually present? That's the question. And that can be explored because it is present. <laughs> something's there, something's being experienced. Go to, go to what is being interpreted. Go to what's palpably present, not merely the interpretation. So feel the presence of what's there and it will take you right to the unresolvable. It'll take you right to the unknowable nature of what's here, the uninterpretable unthinkable nature of what's here. I mean, one one of the simplest ways, I think, to see how this can't be conceived is to notice the dynamic nature of it, to feel the dynamic nature of it. It's right in our face, isn't it? The moment, what we call the moment, how long is it here for? <laughs> it's here for no time because it's on the move, right? It's not it's not holding still. It's not holding still long enough to name it. It's obvious. Feel that. Feel how alive this is. It's it's like, you know, I, I say if you if you look at a, a fire burning, which is a great metaphor. So the fire, you light the fire in the fireplace, and it's burning. Is and 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 if I were to ask you, okay, so tell me, what does a fire look like right now? Describe the shape of the fire to me. Well, in a sense, you would have to freeze it for an instant and say, there's the shape. And now I can describe it because it's just like this, you know, I'm going to draw the shape of it like a still life. There's the shape of the fire. And I could even draw a picture of a fire burning, but I'm essentially freezing something that is not static in real life, if you will, in Mm. lived experience. There's nothing static. So the fire of my experience is on the move. And because it's on the move, the idea that I could encapsulate it in a descriptive framework is a fantasy because I describe, let's say the mind goes, oh, it's this. It names the shape of the moment, describes the shape of the moment seemingly. 
But what we've described is gone in the instant it's described. There, there's the proof right there of the indescribability of reality. It's right, it's right in front of us. As it's, it's gone. George Shepard says language is a double-edged sword. You know, for this reason, I think you know what you point at too mm -hmm. is an, there's an interesting inquiry that I find sometimes useful around that, which mm -hmm. is right now, what is beyond doubt, or what is true right now in this moment, and mm -hmm. what you find is you can't capture anything and hold it down. It is a sort of a free flow, like a satellite falling in orbit and just constantly falling and falling and falling and falling and unfolding and 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 you can see, you, you know it's undeniable this is this that's beyond doubt like right we're having an experience right. i mean i mean i'm using that's what's language. beyond doubt is that something is appearing something is appearing but but appearing is it's not that's a better word than something appears as if it appears and it stays like fixed right. and yeah. frozen yeah. Yeah. it's more like it's in this and you feel this. It's not. It's not just. I mean, everything that I'm saying that we're discussing. My my invitation to everyone listening is to go to your experience to see if it makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about it conceptually, but feel in your experience that 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 this thing that we call the appearance is really alive. It's an appearing. It's in this constant state of 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 change, of mm. fluctuation, of morphing, isn't it? And so so much so that it is not it's any fixed notions of what anything is are incorrect because it's not fixed it's not frozen it's not static it's it's radically unstable in its very nature and it's interesting because that's not philosophy it's our literally, literally what we're experiencing right <laughs> yeah. now is that that the moment is it's just gone 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 and yet there's this sense paradoxically of a kind of a constancy of the moment. It's very paradoxical. It's always here, isn't it? Like this feeling of the flow of perceiving or the flow of seeing or the flow of being, those are all synonyms, is is ever-present, isn't it? It's always here. It's always here. And where does it ever go? It never disappears. And yet, paradoxically, the flow itself is in this constant state of vanishing, of disappearing, and yet it's always here, always here. <laughs> I mean, that that makes no sense sort of logically, but it's exactly- It's experience. It's exactly what experience is like. Always here, but always changing. Always here, but never, um, it's ungraspable in that sense. I can't grasp hold of it because it's just gone. Just so when, like that. You know, when we're- Freed. Oh, man. All you have to do is pay, just look in your present experience. Just look. It's That's not it. that complicated, actually. Yeah. It doesn't take 30 years on a meditation cushion. No, in fact, that can be counterproductive. Yeah. Right. I mean, I know from my own experience of 30 years on a meditation <laughs> cushion that there was this subtle or not so subtle effort to find some kind of state that I thought mm -hmm. I was after, mm -hmm. peace, bliss, oneness, and then somehow find that state and then hold on to it. Well, what a fool's errand. I mean, of course I was frustrated mm -hmm. with that project mm -hmm. of holding this in place somehow um, because this can't be held in place. Mm -hmm. And that turns out to be the freedom just to see that, that this, it's, um, this, this wonderful term in the Tibetan tradition of that um, everything self-releases upon arising. So the moment literally lets go of itself mm -hmm. in its appearing. How beautiful is that? Yeah. It's just... It's just a constant like blossoming where it just lets go of itself and lets go of itself and lets go of itself.
And so we humans, we hear these things like, oh, I have to get better at like letting go of things. It's like, I always say, just go to the master, go to reality itself. Reality's very nature is to let go in each instant. It's like a full reset. It's like fresh, fresh, yeah. fresh. That's why I love the word uh, it's often used, I think, is, 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 to describe this is, is radiance. Because it's almost like looking at, at at the rays of the sun, they're never really there. It's like a shimmering, like your fire, mm -hmm. like this. There's a radiating out of who knows mm -hmm. into who knows. And it's never, it's almost never even there. How can we even say it was ever there? It was just this. It's impossible to describe. This is where language just becomes so clunky. Mm -hmm. And yet the problem is I think we believe our language, we start to believe our language interface as reality. And so Most definitely. <laughs> that's that's the challenge. And even in meditation, 30 years of meditation sitting on the cushion, you start to believe that there's a meditator who's trying to accomplish something, bliss, unity, consciousness, awakening, whatever it is, right? right? And uh, like and you absolutely said, none of those things can actually be found. Yeah, you can't find any of it. Because of what just what we're describing, which is there aren't things. Mm -hmm. That's This is the basic, we're essentially talking about the concept of emptiness in Buddhism. Yeah. Which is, you know, People have different whatever ways of talking about emptiness, and I don't even use that word myself really in my, right. my teaching. But but just to put a frame there for people familiar with Buddhism, it's emptiness is discovery that phenomena don't actually have a findable identity. In other words, it seems like things have a kind of autonomous, definable essence or or identity to them. That's what it is. Like that's the name that we have for it. It's that right. Right. Clock. Exactly. Cup, John. But you go to book. find, exactly, you go to find the identity of any phenomena. And and again, for the same reasons that we're, we're talking about, um, you don't find it because it never, owing to its ever-changing, infinite, endless nature, it it never, you cannot find a, a pin-downable identity to anything. That's its empty nature. In that sense, there aren't things. And yet, what is, well, you could say, in its basis, empty of identity, everything, not just the, the personal, the person being empty of identity, but everything is empty of identity. And we could say, not a thing. But what that emptiness looks like is all of this shine, all of yeah. this rich display that we call the world. So it actually appears as something. It appears as trees and flowers and human experience and a world. It appears like that and is experienced, in, as we were saying, in some sense as all of this stuff. But at the same time, everything that is appearing, you can't actually find what it is simultaneously. So it's nothing and something at the same time. It's like, it's like the best movie virtual reality experience you could ever imagine. <laughs> Nothing showing up as everything that's made of nothing, no right. thing, right. no identity, no graspable substrate. And yet here we are and, and all the love and heartache and grief and emotion, all of that's there. And also simultaneously made of the same no thing. Exactly. Space. Space. You, know, you could say it's space. Even that. Yeah. yeah Space-like, I mean, right. It's, it's space-like in the sense of vast and boundless and bottomless and um you know and 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 yet you know it's it's sort of like it's like the rainbow right 
It's like the rainbow appears vividly, looks like something. It's beautiful. It's vividly showing up. And then when you go to find the rainbow, you find space. You don't find a rainbow. So, well, which one is it? Space or rainbow? Well, it's it's both. It's both. And it's that's both. that's our experience. And That's this. And, and the advantage, if you will, of discovering the space-like nature of it is and you can sense the freedom of that because from the other perspective, there's a sense of being a, a separate individual solid. living in a world, a solid individual existing in an objective solid world. And as part of that experience, a big part of that can be the sense of trying to find my way, trying to be okay, trying to find my well-being at any moment, possibly um, at the mercy of this objective world and maybe harmed by it in some way. So I then, then hence there's this desire to secure my well-being and protect myself from the absence of well-being. I mean, that whole human kind of project, right? Mm. That, that all kind of comes into existence out of this sense of division. It all rests upon this seeming ability to define the world. And, but when we recognize the indefinability, we, we can see, I think, quite quickly that there's no division whatsoever. There's a seamless Display. expanse, yeah. a, 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 a seamless field, whatever you want to call it, of, of experiencing, of perceiving. These are just words, more words, but we can't really say what it is, but... <laughs> But, um, but the boundaries are defined into existence. And so that can be discovered, again, by feeling experience. And when if you, feel, you can feel experience right now, someone was asking about practices, mm. you may have an idea of you're somehow separate from the world. But if you feel the presence of, of your own being right now, what you would think of as your own being, you feel the presence of that. Now, just feel how when we have a notion, right, that, that, that somehow the sense of our own being is localized, it's kind of circumscribed, right? And then there's something outside of my being, which we, we think of as the, as the world, you know, outside of me, outside of the subject. But if you feel the, what, whatever you imagine to be outside of the bubble of your own experience, that localized bubble, what do you find? You find more of the feeling of experience, what we could call the feeling of the presence of, of life. And you, 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 that's all you find. You just find the feeling of, of this life, the feeling of this presence of existence. You don't find two things. You just find presence everywhere you look. You find the feeling of being, the feeling of existence. And that's the seamlessness of everything. Mm. And from that perspective, these are just perspectives. One is I'm an individual living in a world, potentially at the mercy of that world. And then this other perspective of the seamless indivisible, limitless expanse, which is also can be felt right now. There's no division anywhere. There's just unlimited expanse of experiencing. There's no one being threatened by anything. There's just life, literally just life, experiencing life. So that's a very different felt sense, isn't it? <laughs> it's a very different... Um, you could say implication from that perspective. It actually goes right into what Lisa was commenting on. There was a time when I could be present even in the greatest chaos, but I've had so many major life changes in the last two years, I feel blocked or like I'm struggling to be slash experience now. And in a way it's almost like those kind of elements of this, 
those it, the elements she's pointing out, the distractions, the chaos, the mm-hmm. challenge, yeah. they're just more of this, but it can be felt. It appears that they're right. kind of hijacking our attention in a way. Yes, it does. It appears as if there's there can be something sort of blocking the recognition of this undivided perspective that I'm talking about, um, this this sense of the presence of everything. But But as you just said, the key is to see that everything that's appearing, that every experience, no matter how it's being labeled, is is the very flow of this reality itself. Mm. And in that sense, there are no obstacles. Everything is everything is life. Everything is made of life, whatever life is, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> everything is made of whatever it's made of, and we can't really say, can we? But we can, you, we can use the word life. Everything is made of this presence of existence. Mm. And so that's such a different way. This is so counter to the ordinary the ordinary human approach to well-being, right, is to imagine, again, very much driven by our descriptive frameworks, that the thing I'm looking for, the peace, the well-being, the freedom, and so on, is found in particular versions of reality, in particular states, in particular circumstances that I define as being free or peaceful or or well, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the perspective of what I call the hierarchy of experience. Like this is better than that. This is more meaningful than that. This is, and so we're in this project of sort of trying to rearrange all the seeming pieces of our reality, our circumstances in order to be okay. If I can just get the right um, collection of thoughts, feelings, sensations, circumstances, experiences, and so on, then I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's an exhausting, you know, that's a tense, that's a tension producing way that, you know, many, if not most humans are living. And then there's this other discovery, which is all of it is, as the Tibetans say, the great perfection. All of it is the very flow of reality itself. Mm-hmm. And from that perspective, Nothing needs to nothing needs to be corrected about experience because all experience is the same in the sense of its um its basis. Suchness, it's yeah. Suchness, it's yeah. beingness, it's isness, it's all and you can feel that. And so this is a powerful, very simple sort of practice that one can play with of our habit again of orienting to the interpretations, the descriptions, and then trying to sort it all out based on. Am I okay? Is this, is this, you know, how am I doing? Sort of measuring, gauging how we're doing in terms of the descriptions. Instead, just play with r- relaxing that orientation from all, the description and just going to the sheer presence of experience, which of course is constant, always present. The very basis of every experience is its presence, right? And that presence has no narrative, no description, there's no story there. There's no interpretation. There's no division there. There's just presence. And that simple reorientation is a really powerful, simple kind of tool one can use to um, acquaint themselves with this other way of encountering experience, which is, um, I describe it as the as, as finding the uncovering the non-narrative dimensions of experience. Mm. There's no narration. Mm. In the feeling of this moment, the felt sense of the energy, if you will, or the presence of this moment, there's no narration there. 
There may be a narration that's the conceiving mind has placed on it, an evaluation of it, a description of it. And that's fine. Doesn't don't have to get rid of that. But the the basis of it is just this pure existence, the pure presence of it. Yeah, it's kind of remarkable. Sometimes I'll look in the mirror, which is with me always a mistake. Uh, <laughs> I, I just go, oh God, what happened there? <laughs> Where'd my hair go? Um, but <laughs> I'll look in, at, at that and I'll see this and the mind will go, okay, this guy, that's me, that's Ubin, da, 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 the story, the history, mm -hmm. the thought. And then that will relax mm -hmm. because I've I've gotten used to attuning to this. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just gently let attention step back into experience here. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I'll look at the mirror and I'll feel experience here simultaneously. So there's an appearance and then there's this. Mm -hmm. And the this, <laughs> when you contrast it with the appearance, is this vastly spacious, open, empty, energetic indescribability. Mm -hmm. And then I'll look back at the image and go, that's indescribable too. Like Indeed. that's just shape and color. And how do you even talk about what that is? Right. And pretty soon you realize there's nobody here in the sense that I thought my mind was putting this together. There is nobody here. There's just this infinity of experience free from any, any um, description or conception. And that in itself is like, you, it, it'll shock you back into, sometimes it shocks me back into the mind because the mind's like, damn, bro, that was shocking. Anyways, we got stuff to do today. And, and then it starts telling a story and the narrating mind mm -hmm. is back. But for that ex ex experience of, you know, thisness, it, it's really quite indescribably beautiful. And, and absolutely. And, <clears throat> but the key is to, because it's easy in this process can often happen where we, we create this sort of these distinctions, right? Between like, there's a moment of kind of recognizing the, the isness of it, the suchness of it, the beingness of the moment. And then like you say, and then we can kind of seem to go back to the narratives. And, but what's really powerful is to see that whether there's narratives present or not, what you, what you have is the suchness. <laughs> that's, that's what is. That's right. Everything is. The narratives are made of the suchness. Of course yeah. they are. Everything is made of. So yeah. so there's no from that standpoint there's no place that is closer to it. In other words, the ground of being or you know all these words that we throw at reality which is beyond words, but we'll call it the ground of being is is unconditioned by what it looks like, mm -hmm. right? So it's not conditioned by the state we might think is happening and being and and that we're describing the state we're in. It's not conditioned any more than the ocean is conditioned by the, what waves it's what producing. Waves are happening. So, so what's producing all of these, these mirage-like appearances of experience that are ultimately ungraspable and their space-like, whatever is giving rise to that doesn't depend upon any of it because reality remains reality. The ground of being remains the ground of being no matter how it's appearing just like the ocean. Which this ground of being idea or the unborn or the mm -hmm. unmanifest, there's a million words right. for this, which cannot be named. Right, even. <laughs> yeah, at all, yeah. At all, because it's so beyond that. But right. what's interesting is it's not beyond knowing. Well, it's exactly what we're experiencing. Exactly. So it, it's not, in that sense, it's very imminent. It's, it's imminent. not merely transcendental. Exactly. 
It's so, right here. But it just ha so happens that it, it's here, but you can't say what it is simultaneously, but it's here and it can be felt. We can discover um, we can discover that transcendental nature. And, and the key thing is to see that the, the transcendental nature of experience, the, the boundless, fathomless, infinite nature of it is true, again, regardless of the specific content of the experience. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, every experience is the doorway into the very same, same. transcendental reality, yep. which, is, which is very convenient from a standpoint of discovering it because you don't have to go somewhere. Right. You don't have to set up special circumstances or practices or because it's what it's your normalcy, so-called. It's it's this moment sitting here, if you're watching on Zoom or YouTube or what it, wherever you are, this is the arising of reality. This is the appearance. This is the way, this is the way God happens to look right now. That's right. Just like this. It looks just like this. Yeah, and in the next instant, it'll look a little bit different. You're staring at its face. Exactly. There's nothing else to it, see. And that, yeah, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> there's nothing else. And, and the fact that none of this can touch what that is, mm -hmm. is kind of like saying, well, a reflection in a mirror doesn't change the mirror. Um, like you said, no. the wave doesn't change the ocean. This is like beyond any conception and emerging out is this quote mirage, which I like, I actually mm -hmm. like that word because mm -hmm. in a sense it is very mirage-like. The closer you get, the more it kind of yeah. shows its impermanence. Right. Um, and but but it's radiating perfectly from this unborn, undying is this space, this non-space, and 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 in a sense, there's a Zen saying, right? Like everything is perfectly managed in the unborn. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, when you really know that, when there's a deep mm. instinctual knowing of that. I'll just sometimes burst out laughing because I'm like, everything I thought I cared or could push and pull upon mm -hmm. is pushing and pulling on a mirage. It's a mirage pushing on a mirage. Right. Everything's radiantly perfect in right. this moment, even when it's not apparently to the mind. Right. I mean, you could be getting mugged on the street, right? Right. And it's the same stuff. Um, obviously in the relative world, it's not, it's right. not good. Right. You but, might you might try to get out of that situation. That's right. right? Just in terms of your your survival. That's right. And right. you would do that instinctively. It would right. be the unborn managing that. Right. <laughs> it would just start right. to happen. You don't give up. You don't go live in a cave necessarily. You don't, you know, none of that has to happen to recognize. No, you, no that's why I say there's no special, there's no requirements mm -hmm. because, because it, you know, the, the, this single reality is everything. It's inclusive of everything. Mm -hmm. Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode. It's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also want to hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at ZDogMD.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me. And we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you want to be a part of this community and support the show, join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we going to transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are 
epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. Emily Anderson says, uh, maybe that's why animals carry on without difficulty. They don't know they are finite. As far as they know, they are infinite as long as they aren't eaten by the enemy. <laughs> I, I think animals are a great teacher here. They, yeah, well, it seems like, you know, we have this double-edged sword of our capacity to conceptualize in the way it seems like non-human creatures can't, can't quite to the same degree. Right. That we can, it's this incredible tool and to enables us to create all the things humans create. Um, but it can also create a lot of internal unrest, it would seem that maybe some of the other animals don't quite experience because, you know, they, they can't carry a grudge for 40 years or worry about you know, whether their taxes are going to get paid you, next year. Or, you, you haven't know. met my cat. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe the cat's she can. Standard. Oh man, she, she does my taxes, which explains a lot. Uh, yeah. No, no, you're exactly. You they're know, very, so. they're very instinctual and present. Right. And it's interesting. I actually suspect they can detect, whether it's pheromonally or whatever it is, there's an energetic signature mm -hmm. to a human that's very mind identified and up in their head and a human that is mm -hmm. much more feeling that presence of being. Uh -huh. So my experience with that, especially on retreat, this is very obvious, uh -huh. like you'll get in a very, almost a Samadhi-like presence mm -hmm. walking through the forest mm -hmm. and deer will just come up to you. <laughs> <laughs> and stare at you and you're like, wow, they don't, this doesn't normally happen. Right. And, uh, and you feel it, you feel like, oh, there's no separation between the deer and I. Mm -hmm. And the deer detects that as, well, this is in some sense, they have this intuition that that's not a threat. Right. Um, whereas a mind identified humans like deer, and, oh, look at that. Like, first of all, can I eat that? And then, you know, just, just the kind of energetics of it is very interesting. So mm -hmm. animals, I think are a good, are an interesting pointer. Mm -hmm. Of course, we can't know anything about animal experience, can we? No, we, we yeah. can't. We can't know about other creatures' experience. That's a funny thing. Like we don't have access to. What is that? Why? That's so strange to me. Well, I mean, I because I, I don't know. Like, we we could look at the computer screen and we see like this color blue at the bottom of it, and and I can go, hey, Zubin, you know, that's kind of a cool. Like, look at the texture of that. I don't know if it looks like a body of water at the bottom of the, our computer screen, and we can talk about it and kind of share notes but I don't know what it looks like to you. Like, I don't have access to yeah. that. I don't know what blue is to you. Yeah. So it's a curious thing. Like we, we sort of imagine because of language and shared language that we live in a consensus reality of sorts where we're both seeing the same thing mm -hmm. and we know what we can agree. Oh yeah, it's blue. That's the color blue. But I don't know what it's like for you. I never will. And, and, and you know, so relating to that, this idea of like, the relative versus absolute truths and so on. And, and is there a kind of escapism happening or a bypass happening when you, mm -hmm. when you kind of point this way? And Vitor says, and this is a common comment I'll see on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine, tomorrow I'll send a letter to all the Ukrainians. Of course, there's misspellings all over throughout this, but that's okay. Victimized by the war saying that that's not true. Be calm, meditate, it'll all be fine. How do you, how do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, <clears throat> well, as I was saying earlier, um, the perspective that I'm sharing is I see it as a perspective and it doesn't, it doesn't negate 
the reality of other perspectives, right? So, um, you know, I, there's a good metaphor here in physics, right? That I can look at the table, I can hit my knuckles on the table and feel the firmness and hardness of the table. I can place things on this this solid structure of the table. And, and this is a perspective that we have on what a table is. But there's another perspective, isn't there? There's a, there's a, there's a quantum perspective on what a table is. And, and it's completely not solid. It's, it's empty space. It's, it's, un, it's inconceivable what a table is. So, so that on, one, on the one hand, that quantum perspective on what a table is sort of seems to negate this perspective. But they coexist. Yeah, they're both true. So they're both true in a sense. So the perspective of there's no individuals being harmed by something, you know, that undivided perspective is a perspective that brings with it, along with it, um, a, a host of incredible kind of liberating benefits. But it, but it doesn't negate that other perspective that that's being described here of, oh, in this situation where these people are being harmed by other people. Yeah. Within that frame of reference, that in fact is what's occurring, we could say, and lots of harm is being done and people are being injured and, you know, people are dying. Horrible things happen. Right. It's just like, it's, you know, how can we hold these sort of paradoxes that are, they're, they're very paradoxical. I mean, birth, birth and death are are a good example of this. Let's say death, you know, that, that yes, from one perspective, I'm a mortal creature that if I walk outside and get hit by a car or walk outside and someone shoots me dead, the, the, that that body-mind, if you will, the organism of John is gone. That's the end of it. That's a perspective, and I, there's no denial of dying of that. Um, and the denial of like how that would be, potentially be experienced by my 28-year-old daughter, you know, loses, loses her father, right? That would be real. And from another perspective, like my example with the table, from another perspective, that's not what's going on at all. There's a dance of infinite energies that are indestructible fundamentally. Like there's no destroying reality. There's nothing outside of reality to destroy it. And there's nothing so, to experience it. It's self-experiencing. No. Yeah. And, and so from that vantage, what looks like and can be experienced as people dying for various reasons um, is not only that, but it's also some inconceivable dance of, of perfection, remarkable, miraculous energy. I mean, again, I'm throwing words at something that is utterly beyond being able to be languaged, but um, yeah, it's like, you know, you you watch two waves, you know, sometimes the ocean can be such that you can get the currents going in both directions where the waves are coming into shore. And then there's like a back kind of the waves are then going back out and you have this crashing together of waves. And it's very, you know, it's almost like violent. The waves are crashing into each other. From that perspective, that's really going on. And from another perspective, there's just a single body of water. There's nothing being lost. There's nothing being gained. There's no waves crashing. That's all description. It's mm-hmm. all taking this whole and arbitrarily distinguishing these seeming pieces of the whole and talking about how they're in interaction with each other. So anyway, all to say in response to that question that um, the vantage of the indivisible where there's no one being threatened by anything doesn't negate the other perspective. It just opens up the possibility of seeing 
the ordinary human vantage of 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 a divided world <laughs> of parts and pieces in interaction with each other it it gives us a, another vantage into that into that whole way of seeing the world that's very very has a very very different feel and and um, and one piece i'll add to that yeah. is you know seeing from only the relative perspective mm -hmm. of loss and grief and destruction and anger and vengeance and all of that yeah. has a certain valence of continuing a kind of patterned conditioned behavior mm -hmm. that would lead to this war in the first place whereas mm -hmm. understanding the role of the indivisible present moment in in that space, mm -hmm. actually, it'd be hard to imagine how you could um, perpetrate war <laughs> and destruction yeah. as easily, knowing that hey, you know what? Why are, why are we doing this? Yes, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a there's a very strong sort of tendency when when we discover our own intrinsic fullness and completeness and wholeness and that our well-being is secured because the very nature of reality itself is well-being, we could say, there's going to be far less of a tendency to act out of a place of lack and belief in lack and then, and then sort of try to compensate for that lack in all the ways that humans often will, some of which can be arguably destructive and harming of oneself and others in an effort to find well-being, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, a lot of that has a tendency to fall away when, when a human discovers their intrinsic well-being. Well-being. Rose says, my brain won't stop thinking of my fears. What can I do to push them out? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can appreciate the feeling of when fear arises of wanting that to not be there. That's kind of a natural and one level mm -hmm. response. But what if what if the fear was not actually the problem you imagined it to be, um, based on how we describe fear? We, we've described it as the ways we've described it, and as part of that description is the sense of it being somehow a threat, right? That needs to be overcome. It's a we problem. need to get beyond. It's a problem. Mm -hmm. But from one perspective, that's true, and it can feel overwhelming for the in the human to feel fear. Let's say, but what is fear? What is fear? Fear is life. Fear is the energy of reality itself. Um, it's just one of the ways reality can flow. And from that perspective, fear is can't even be found as some discrete thing um, that is any sort of problem whatsoever. It's just um, boundless, fathomless energy. Um, and And that can be discovered by... It, you know, counterintuitively doing nothing to correct fear, but simply allowing it to be as it is and make no effort. And you may discover by simply allowing it to be as it is that uh, it, you may discover that it's not the threat you imagine it to be, but but just the shining forth of reality itself. This is, and this, if you think this is some abstract pontificating, <laughs> I can tell you as a, as a, someone who suffers fear, anxiety, all the other things that humans suffer, mm -hmm. um, what I've found in recent years with this kind of attunement, mm -hmm. I, I hesitate even to call it a practice because that's a kind of a doing. It's almost like just a natural attunement to what's happening mm -hmm. without resistance and without uh, making it a problem. So something will arise, you'll wake up at night with a fear or anxiety. Mm -hmm. and, and, and notice I immediately like, grab right here. Mm -hmm. So what's going on? Well, there's some sense 
and I feel it. So I'm putting my hand on where I think it's felt. And what'll happen is there'll be stories around it. And the first story will be, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. How am I going to go back to sleep? Right. Uh, and I'll even know, okay, this is a problem that has no solution tonight. There's nothing mm-hmm. me thinking about it's going to help, but yet here it is. And then it gets becomes more intense. There's a kind of a feedback of, oh gosh, now I'm not going to get to sleep. So mm-hmm. there's more. So then you can just attune and go, okay, so what is this? What is this right now? Feel this. And this incredibly indescribable complexity of energies mm-hmm. felt and, and, and allowed in a way where the feeling of it can actually become almost ecstatic mm-hmm. because it's so unresisted. You feel it just coursing this energy. Because oh, this I was calling this fear. What right. even is that? This is just indescribable energy. And and the next thing you know, it's passed, and there's the next thing. Right. And then you're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's that lack of resistance, the reactivity to it, making it a problem, jumping into thought to try to escape the apparent problem right. in stories and imagination um, seems to be a source of suffering. Now there's nothing wrong with it. It's just what's happening too. Right. But it sure seems to be a source of a lot of friction, apparent friction that feels to this organism like un, it, it's suffering. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the paradox is that trying to fix the states of mind we imagine to be problems keeps reinforcing them being something mm. that's potentially an obstacle, uh, uh, a potential threat. And, but just relaxing and literally just relaxing and just feeling what's at the base of the description. What's at the base of it is, we could say, just the being of it, the existence of it. And ultimately, what's at the base of it is something inconceivable. Mm. You can't say what the base of it is. And it turns out that it is wide open. It's like discovering, to come back to my physics metaphor, it's like discovering the quantum nature of what you thought was this hard, substantial, threatening thing, but it's not a thing at all. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually pure space. It's pure space. And that can be discovered by, <clears throat> as you said, just relaxing and letting the experience just be without any resistance. And Jeffrey asks a, a good follow-up question, which is yeah, this allowing, yeah, no, I gotta I just feel into that for a second because it is, it's, it's a surrender. Even those words are clunky. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute attunement to what's happening without resistance, judgment, or story that has to be told about it. Those stories can arise and you can accept those too. It's feeling everything, even the resistance in a way. It's just allowing it all to be. Um, Jeffrey says, I've been starting to experience no self in its truest form and emotions like anger have surfaced with a lot of intensity. It's like all my suppressed emotions are randomly bubbling up all the time. So this is a very common Mm. phenomenon in myself. I, I notice it when the when the thought structures and the kind of egoic patterning starts to relax or be seen for what it is, mm-hmm. underlying emotion that 
you were jumping into thought to escape or you were telling mm -hmm. stories about to try to avoid the raw feeling of suddenly that's not possible and suddenly you're overwhelmed with out of the blue will mm. come rage <laughs> or shame or grief or mm -hmm. sadness and you know i'll just be walking and suddenly like i'll start to tear up and i'll be like what is this mm -hmm. and um and so how do you how do you sort of very much what i was saying to to the i think it was a woman <clears throat> was asking about fear that it's the same basic mm -hmm. you know sort of um it's the practice of no practice in the sense of the fine art of doing nothing, as I call it. Yeah. And, and medicine and, is that way, by the way. Yeah. The, fine the house art of, of God, the, one of the top rules of the house of God is do as much of nothing as possible. There you go. Right. Which is true. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's very, um, I mean, the, it's amazing because if, if we actually just feel what's present, like we're, again, we're reorienting from both the, the the, all the labels and all the descriptions, like they can be there. We don't have to eradicate them. We, it's really difficult to do that anyway. Mm. And it's a lot of energy. Um, just feel the the presence of whatever is occurring. Um, anger, it doesn't matter what, what label is being there because everything that's occurring is utterly beyond the label. So whatever the labels are, they are what they are. But just feeling the sheer presence one thing that that will can be can be noticed we were talking about this earlier is the dynamic nature of this that that actually we're creating consciousness is creating this sense that there actually is a state that's holding hel holding together a pattern that's actually remaining there rather than something that in each flash instant is alive and changing and it, in that sense there's not a state there are no states there's actually no mental emotional states. They're just flow. There's just They're a just flow a of flow. experience. Yeah. And and by not trying to push the state away or get beyond it or because all of that again keeps reinforcing the idea that there's something there that I have to overcome. So it keeps that it keeps the reification sort of alive by by trying to get beyond it. There's not something there to get beyond, actually. Mm -hmm. There's not anything to get beyond. Everything is the flow of reality. Which gets right back no to- No matter how it's being labeled. Feel it all as it is. Well, you are anyway. You are anyway. So you might as so well why just- why tell stories about it? <laughs> I mean, that's what we're doing is feeling whatever's being felt. Right. But by really noticing, letting ourselves notice the actuality of experience rather than all of the ways we think the experience is, mm -hmm. which we think it is something fixed and nameable. Oh, it's anger. Oh, it's fear. It's a thing that we just defined as having some kind of- Real existence. Real existence as there it is. I've, I've defined the, you know, I, I was talking about this before about seeing patterns like, oh, there's that pattern and I name the pattern, right? But when you go to look for the pattern, just feel what's there you realize, oh my God, all this stuff that I was holding, seemingly holding in place as fixed patterns is unfixed and unpatterned and open-ended and fluid and ever-changing. And that starts to really, um, what's the word? Uh, it cuts through this notion that there are things that are problems. Mm -hmm. Which is exactly that, what you said, a notion. It's a thought construct. It's, it's a thought construct. Yeah, and again, concept. from the perspective of 
the seeming definability of and nameability of things, which we really seem able to. I mean, we've got language, right? Mm-hmm. To point to, if, if if I say, God, you know, I'm really mad about this, you know, it's like I can just seem to describe my experience to you. But as I was saying, you know, we were talking earlier, like what I've described is not here anymore. Yeah, it's gone. Something else is there. What's that? Well, if I try to label that, it's gone. And it's like, again, that is not philosophy. That is our actual, our actual experience. experience. So that my practice that I teach, that I invite people into this exploration is notice the way in which your actual experience deviates 180 degrees from what you think is occurring. We think things have endurance. We think that there are things. And our experience is constantly showing us that this is not the case, that, that this is not, there's not things here. It's, it's, it's funny. So Ian McGilchrist, who writes about the left and right hemisphere of the brains mm-hmm. and the differences, he'll say the right hemisphere sees this truth, mm-hmm. like sees flow, interconnection, mm-hmm. the liveness of all things, mm-hmm. but it can't express verbally because it doesn't have speech centers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The left hemisphere evolved as a way to take that inconceivability Mm -hmm. and break it down into stuff we can kind of make icons for and manipulate and do things in the world. And so what tends to happen with humans and with societies is they become increasingly dominated by left hemisphere reductionist Mm -hmm. grasping and conceptualizing Mm -hmm. because it has outcomes in the relative world that seem Mm -hmm. to work. Um, But but coming with that is a decrease in a sense of well-being, an increase in suffering, an increase in bureaucracy, and medicine has seen this, an increase in division because mm-hmm. the left always thinks it's right because it it just knows that this is how things are. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, look. I mean, you know, are we are we at ease with our own experience? Are we at home in our own experience, just as it is? Mm. What would that be like? Mm. What would it be like to be completely at home in your experience, just as it is, without it having to be one iota different? Well, it'd be freedom, wouldn't it be? Liberation. Liberation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's possible, again, I think by reorienting to something we could say that's more basic, what I call the common denominator of experience, um, is a way of cutting through that seeming hierarchy that, again, this is better, this is safer, this is healthier in terms of, there's there's advan- there, there's an obvious ad- benefit to having that part of the mind, the discriminating part of the mind that makes those hierarchies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it can make distinctions between, oh, this is of benefit, this may not be of benefit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But this other perspective is 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 non-conceptual. It's 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 an it's not instead of the discriminating mind, but it's it's another order of discrimination. It's the discrimination of realizing everything is of this singular Essence. Essence. We yeah. could say everything is existence. Everything is everything is. And there that all I can say is that the isness itself, the felt sense of being itself, and the beingness of everything is pure benefit. It's pure vitality. It's pure aliveness. It's pure nourishment. It's pure um, openness. Mm. It's pure. Um, it's the embrace of everything. The beingness is the embrace of everything because everything is the beingness. It's the ultimate embrace of everything. 
And this has been pointed out in so many different spiritual traditions, like Jesus will call it the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's right here and you can't enter unless you drop your conceptual mind and understand what it is, right? Right. Uh, and I think- Well, you can't, I, w- I would say that the seeing is enter, to yeah. come to see that you can't, you are never apart never from apart. the kingdom. Yeah, it's right here. In other words, you've never been, the belief we have as these phenomenal wave-like appearances of life, these organisms we find ourselves to be, is that we've been plucked out of the whole. We've mm. been separated out. We've been cast out of reality. The original sin of right? separation, yeah. And, and mm. so we we have to refind our way back to the garden, so to speak. Right. But actually, the real realization is that there is no casting out of reality. Reality always is. It always abides. And we have never been separated from it because we are we we are life itself we're made of life and everything is that so yeah. and that can be discovered just again by exploring experience and coming to see the way in which it is if your experience right now is indivisible there's no place where you can find where you end and whatever you imagine to be not you begins that's it's a continuum of being a continuum of experiencing and from that perspective, there's no finding reality and there's no losing reality. There's only reality. There's only this wholeness. That's a very, very different sense to that. <laughs> mm-hmm, there's, a very, mm-hmm. there's a sense of nothing ever missing, nothing ever lacking. There's an absolute completeness mm. in the moment just as it is. Nothing needing to be added. funny i was looking at all the comments and i'm like don't even need to do that like i'm seeing a lot i'm perfect. seeing a stream of comments i'm so curious perfect is i'm always curious what, can, what is on people's minds you know yeah, what are people yeah how are people responding George, to george separate says uh, trying to get one up on the universe that's what we try to do <laughs> <that's> <laughs> i'll a, show the universe right um, <laughs> i like that that's funny let's see uh barbara actually asked a common question i think it's difficult for traumatized, not a question, but an observation. Mm. It's difficult for traumatized folks or people with anxiety disorders to decipher legitimate versus perceived threats to the human body can make this path feel a bit confusing at times. Yeah. And I think this, there is that feeling of confusion. Um, well, that, that sense that, you know, the, let's say neurobiologically, m- most of us Thankfully, are, are, I mean, there's people living in places in the world, someone mentioned Ukraine, in places in the world where actually there are legitimate survival threats, you know, at every turn, let's say, right? Um, and, but oftentimes in the modern world, the, the nervous system, if you will, is responding as if, you know, you get up in front of a group of people to say something and the nervous system is acting as if there's a lion that's about to eat, no, eat you, right? I know that feeling. Right? Stage well, fright. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So- but there, of course, is no line. So there's the perception of threat, but there's not an actual threat. Right. So, I mean, even beyond all the things we're discussing and sort of basic sort of psychological approaches to this, which are very, in some ways, very consistent with what, what, I'm, what we're talking about, is that by staying with, by putting oneself, exposing oneself to the perceived threat and being with, being sort of having a willingness to just be with that experience rather than our maybe reflexive tendency to avoid those experiences because they're uncomfortable, Mm. which then keeps reinforcing the idea that, oh, that in fact is a threat that I need to sort of remove myself from, let's say it's social anxiety. 
by staying with that. So staying with the experience and realizing I can actually be with this experience mm. and I'm fine. May not be my favorite experience, but there's no actual threat there. Mm. That's that's freeing in a, in a basic human psychological sense because now I can be in environments that I actually want to be in, let's say, like a social environment, because I know that it doesn't, in that sense, it doesn't matter what I'm experiencing. And that's that, freedom. That's freedom. I'm free to have this experience and realize it doesn't need to dictate my actions and my behaviors, either to avoid the experience or to have to try to transform it into something I imagine would be better. That's freedom. It is freedom to be as you are and to not have it dictate it doesn't really have the kind of control that we imagine that it has over us. And 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 I got to say to that point exactly. Mm-hmm. When you're working when you're thinking about reactivity, like mm-hmm. for example, there's a stimulus, your family member or your friend or some people do this thing that then generates whatever reaction in you, whether it's mm-hmm. annoyance or anger or mm-hmm. you know maybe you even have like misophonia or something and mm-hmm. certain sounds bother you whatever it mm-hmm. is. Um it's really interesting to sit with working with that kind of reactivity in the way you're saying, which mm-hmm. is, okay, there's the stimulus. Then there's a feeling. That's the next thing that happens. Mm-hmm. If you're really paying attention, there's this sense in the body somewhere, like, like whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it may not be the most comfortable feeling. It's not mm-hmm. a feeling that you would be like, man, I pay money to have that feeling all day. Mm-hmm. But in itself, it's just another feeling. Right. Then you watch the cascade that happens. To get away from that feeling, you launch into thought, which is then triggers this conditioned set of patterned assumptions. Like I need to say something, or I need to do a little ritual, or I need to do something to get away from this discomfort. And can you see how that entire gestalt that you're describing is based on the notion that you know what it is that you're describing? Exactly right. That that it's this. If you come to see that it is not what you have described it to be, not merely that. Right, right. Then that whole cascade of like, oh my God, what is this? You know, how can I deal with this? How, what can I do to get beyond this? I mean, all of that comes out of the idea that there is something there that represents a threat. Yeah. And that's the question. What that's is right. actually there? That's it's right. It's the only question I ask. What is actually, actually happening there, yeah. right now? That's right. What's true and in this moment? Yeah. Could it be, even just entertain it as a thought experiment, could it be, that none of this is what you think it is, fundamentally not what you conceive of it to be. But it's, I mean, it's inconceivable. Mm. I mean, I like to say to people like, okay, I'd like you to take a moment right now to think about what's here, okay? So, So in other words, think about this moment. Well, you can't do it because whatever you've thought about this moment, that moment that you just thought about isn't here anymore. So what are you thinking about? In a sense, our our seeming knowledge of what things are and descriptions is based on memory. It's a ghost. It's a reflection. It's not here anymore. Mm -hmm. It's it's not here anymore. What you just named is no longer here. Mm. (laughs) I mean, it's really, that's, but it looks like it has an enduring nature to it, doesn't it? It looks like things have a, you know, like you, we've seen each other many times. So there's a familiarity, right? I know Zub and I can recognize. So this pattern recognition, like oh, I've seen you before, but that's memory, isn't it? Mm. 
So in one sense, I have, there's familiarity, like pattern recognition, familiarity. But if I'm actually with the perception now, it's like all of this is like, I've never encountered this before. <laughs> yeah. I've never encountered this moment before. I've never, I've been in this room many times with you recording because we've had several conversations. But that's an idea of an objective world that has constancy, has permanence. The experience that all of that is based on is I'm, in, I'm having an experience of being in your studio, recording studio. Um, the experience is absolutely alive. It's, I've never had this experience before. The idea that I have in a sense, like, yes, I've experienced this room before is just that, it's an idea. But in the moment, the moment experience, the momentary perception is absolutely fresh. There's no ref. There's not actually a reference point for this moment, and because there's not a reference point, unless I go to memory, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is memory, it's not this. I can't know what this is, not really. I can't know what this is without referring to the past. That's wild. I don't I have no category to put this in to because the categories are all my knowledge categories are all based on memory. Yeah. It's very humbling. And it allows a kind of surrender in this moment to, oh, okay, this is the unknowable radiance of this. It's, you know, Krishnamurti wrote a book called Freedom from the Known. Mm. What was he talking about? He's talking about, he's talking about what we're talking about, which is there's a freedom in this unknowability. It's so open-ended. It's so expansive. It's so limitless. It's so, in other words, it has no, the moment has no identity. It has no definition. It has no limitation and it has no final structure to it has no final conclusion to it how freeing is that it's just and then it looks like all of this incredible structure and complex form and it's astonishing it's 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 absolutely a magic show mm-hmm. pipananda says uh we can't really reconcile the non-dual and dual perspectives in thought or conversation. That's the difficulty that arises in these discussions. But when discussing problematic worldly perspectives, um, but when we point to the higher possibilities suggested by this kind of awakening to this moment, there's the possibility of real transformation on that level too. So it's kind of what we were saying before, which is actually recognizing what you're pointing at, it to some extent has the inevitable effect of changing our relative world mm-hmm. behavior because we don't see it as only that anymore. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, the reconciliation, conceptually, it can seem like the, the dual and the non-dual or the describable and the indescribable are irreconcilable, right? Right. But experientially, the reconciliation is in your very experience, right? So my mom passed away a few years ago and... um my dad passed away a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And in both those cases, there was that experience of the loss of my parent. And then simultaneously, there was this transcendental, whatever we call death actually is, was also there. They're not irreconcilable. They live, it's very strange in a way, we could say, to our ordinary logical, rational minds, how can those be coexisting but but it's actually the same reality that can be perceived in two different ways we could say hard hard empty completely empty empty space well which one is it well that's irreconcilably how can you reconcile that those distinctions of the quantum and the non-quantum aspects of the material world well you don't even need to reconcile them they just here they are this is just the way it is it can look like this 
and and its fundament, we could say its basis, it transcends how it looks. It transcends how it appears to be based on our our notions. Form is no other than emptiness. Emptiness is no other than form. It's it's an, it's 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 absolutely to me. There's an exquisite. I don't know. There's something so aesthetically beautiful about and that, amazing yeah. how yeah. this can seem to be something. You can seem to be this fixed. Like I can touch this, I can feel this form and I can enjoy it at that level of the form. It's amazing, right? The forms are amazing. Like we can listen to music, we can touch each other, we can experience the full range of sensory, the whole world, right? iPhone. All of it. All this. All of it. Yeah. It's so, the the formed, the seemingly formed describable world is so rich, you know, the, 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 the Let's say, you know, the, the luster of reality, you know, it's just so, it's unbelievable, right? And at the same time, it's paradoxically, I can't, it's like a receding horizon. I can never find what any of this actually is. Mm-hmm. Come to the final conclusion of, oh, well, who is Zubin? I know Zubin. Zubin is my friend, you know, my collaborator, my, this guy I know, this cool guy. It's like, but no, you're infinity, what Zubin <laughs> is. You're fathomless, right? I'll never get to the bottom of what you are. Because you have no bottom. I mean, you have a well, bottom. I'm, you're sitting you, I, on the chair, but but no, I mean, I mean truly, you don't. I, 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 I can't come to a final conclusion of who you are because I'll look from now until the end of time and I'll just find more and more and more depth and detail and nuance and subtlety. And this is true of every single experience. It's endless. And that's what I mean by the infinite. Nothing is really finite just looks like it is. Mm. I mean, you, I can't say anything beyond what you said. I mean, and the words don't do it justice. <laughs> they never um, do. It's, it's, uh, now, Al-Midney, Al-Midney says, it's so freeing, but it can also feel so terrifying. Mm. And I think that feel feeling of the terrifying is, is the kind of from the standpoint of the mind that wants to make things yeah. last in time and in space and so on. Right. Yeah, of course. The mind would right. be terrified by not having right. a purchase on reality. If I want this to have a bottom, a yeah. findable bottom and conclusion, yes. a handle. Yeah. If I if I'm invited into an exploration that starts to reveal there may not be a bottom or a handle to this, and I still want that, that can be unnerving. That can yeah. be uncomfortable. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's real. And then and then then you get to experience that experience of that. But but in the in the feeling of it itself. There's no, it's not overwhelming because, because it's actually just the way it is. It's not, it's only the sort of overlay interpretation that somehow, well, there's something threatening about that fact that I can't get a handle on this. Right. Yeah, exactly. But it's understandable because we're very, we can say as organisms, it seems there's a part of us that's looking for something solid, a solid ground, something secure, something I can count on. Right. I mean- that's probably the genesis of a lot of our beliefs and our ideologies is like, hey, now I've figured it out, right? I know, I know the way it is, our certainty. But when we explore this, we realize, no, there's not certainty, not in terms of a knowledge standpoint. And yeah, that can be, if we want there to be certainty, <laughs> then that could be a bit of um, a troubling thing to realize at first glance. But it turns out to be so wonderful, that this is not certain. And, it, and it's always a fun exercise. Now there's nothing to defend. 
Yeah, right. For one thing. Right. It's always no, a good exercise. No ideology to defend. What a relief. Wouldn't the world be a different place? <laughs> we wouldn't, we wouldn't have for, to. That's another conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. Man, if there were no identities to defend, the things would be very different. No identities or ideologies or to ideologies. defend. No self to defend either. Because one of the interesting inquiries exactly. relating to this is, well, so who's worried? Who's destabilized? Who's upset by this? Look for that in your current experience. Can't, you right can't here. find that one any more than you can find any any other seeming phenomena as being some definable, limited, you know, here it is. Here's the boundary line of John. Right. Right. I, I have no, I can't find the boundary line. I can't, when I say what's looking through these eyes, I can say John is, but I can't define what that is. It's open-ended. It's just the vastness of life looking through these eyes mm. and without any border or boundary to that vastness. And yeah, mm. that's a nice, there's a nice sense to that. Yeah, yeah. And even the idea of looking through eyes is is conceptual. Like from this experience, there's no eyes, there's no looking. Right. Yeah, there's just the experience. Um, Absolutely. Let's see here. So, so, so people really enjoyed the Zubin is infinity. Uh, Melissa White, who's a supporter. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ashley says, this conversation has me in tears right now. Just amazing. Ashley is very... A very awesome, very, uh, yeah, she was at our last retreat. Oh, wonderful beautiful. supporter of ours. Yeah, she's very sensitive to all this. It's mm. beautiful. Yeah. Um, you I know, can I, appreciate that feeling of like, I, I would say, and we haven't exactly mentioned this yet, so I just want to say something in response to that, which is um, the more, I mean, and this is an, since there's no bottom to this, as I'm saying, suggesting, uh, the the discoveries are endless, right? Mm -hmm. It's like an endless exploration, and you just find more and more and more treasure, truly. Uh, and there's a way through, just a way of perceiving the world that's at at our fingertips. It's right here that just reveals just endless wonder and awe, truly. Um, and because it's really only our interpretive frameworks that are suggesting this is somehow not enough somehow not worthy of our of our awe and gratitude and i mean it's really so yeah yeah th these kinds of conversations and explorations can absolutely bring tears of incredible awe and wonder and gratitude and beholding of like a transcendental beauty that's just beyond imagination and and that's just staring at your cup of root beer you know that's what's amazing anything like, boredom anything. is not a thing in that sense like boredom is another is sensation that we're labeling boredom but but this like no. you just sit and stare at your toes for you know as long as you want as long as you want and, and and you will never find toe you will just keep it'll keep unfolding um ashley says oh thanks z i'm just so happy to get to listen in a bit of this during my lunch break so thankful for this whole experience that's awesome well i'm thankful that john could come and, and do this jolene says uh it's been on my mind for a while if all there is is now does it also conclude that our future is our now hmm. i mean a future, what is a future? It's not something that's here in the sense of actual. It's an imagination about something that might be or might become, right? Well, I guess that's one way to understand the future. You know, what's going to happen? The future, like, well, later this afternoon, I'm going to be teaching a class over Zoom. So that's the th thought of that imagined, you know, other time 
is of course occurring now for sure in that sense future is now yeah but in another sense there's no future <laughs> there's only now no there's no there's no findable future there's no findable future or findable past and same with past exactly that's it gets right back to when we started the show and i said mm -hmm. you know we were looking at those photos me and my wife and i and right. then at dinner i said those things never happened in the sense that we are conceiving that they happened in this place in time and space and really all that's happening is this right now and actually we're kind of relive we're we're living that experience right. in a different way right, right now through I memory. I mean the reminiscing of of those moments with your children, let's say, you know, is it can be its own beautiful experience. Oh, it's having beautiful. experienced it myself. Absolutely. And of course, but the real thing was the actual experience itself. When it happened, yeah. Right, which then gave rise to the eventual memories right. of it, which can also again be enjoyable. But boy, it was those moments themselves, which That's we can right. think back on, but but it was in the moment of that encounter with your child, you know, that's, that's, that's what's alive. That's right. This is what's alive now. My, my, my friend Vinay Prasad, who mm. we do this podcast, there was recently um, the match day. Mm. So it, what that oh, is- Doctors, yeah. Doctors, right. yeah. So a bunch of doctors go into this kind of complicated algorithm where the rest of their lives is basically <laughs> determined based on right. where they're gonna spend the next three years doing their training. Right. And, um, what Vinay noticed is that nowadays during match day, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of stuff posted on social media, pictures of people opening their envelope and determining what's gonna happen and joy and the sorrow and right. all that. These photos, they're taking photos of themselves in the moment of that. And what Vinay said was, yeah, when we did it, um, we just experienced it. He goes, I have no photos of that day. Mm -hmm. What I have is a reflection in memory of the sense memory of sitting in a cold hall, opening an envelope and learning I was gonna be in Chicago think, for the yeah. next three years. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which is what he wanted and and this kind of thing. And he goes, those are so intimate and priceless mm -hmm. and that we launch out of the moment when we pull our phone out, trying to take pictures and capture mm -hmm. it for a presumed future. For, for some other moment. For some I other moment. I might be able to remember that moment. Exactly. And you it's totally kind of missed the moment that is. And I found myself early in my early years of traveling, I would take so many pictures. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just like, man, I'm just staring at like, wow, look at this skyline. So beautiful. <laughs> like what? Oh, should I take a picture? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. This is, wow. Um, and funny. it's really funny. And the human mind is always kind of like trying to accomplish and attain and, and grab and, and, uh, and that's funny. I mean, I think it's great. That's what the mind does. The mind is something we don't want to try to, you know, lessen it in some way or avoid it in some way, make mm -hmm. it a problem, like you said. Just see it clearly, and but see this clearly. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. And look what it's done. Look what it's accomplished. It has a. It made a publishing company that allowed this book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was able to grind these reading glasses lenses so I can see comments more clearly. Like <laughs> the mind is amazing. And yet the being, the being here now, like that's not even to call it amazing is a kind of violence to what it is. Cause it, it's the only thing we have. And there's that. It's It's the only thing that we have. And it just turns out that it's, Amazing, <laughs> yeah. What we have now, and it's interesting. Yeah. So, Risa actually points something out here that I think is relating exactly what you're mm -hmm. saying. Which is, have you ever noticed when you look back on something like a vacation per se, the memories are almost better than it was when you were there? Is it just me? I have that experience too sometimes. And what I suspect is this reflective consciousness, this thought space of being able to kind of reflect past experience in, in this kind of 
vision that appears in thought can be so enjoyable in itself when you're very present with it because it's all that's happening. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you feel the sense memory of the vacation, like how it made you emotionally feel. And maybe you didn't even feel that way at the time because mm -hmm. how do you know, right? It's all memory. It's all but memory. you're feeling it now. And it's mm -hmm. just, oh, Hawaii, sitting on the beach. Remember the the shave ice we had and the kids were so happy and, and the right. sunset and all of that. And you're experiencing this kind of, this joy and this moment, it's just now. You're experiencing now. That's what makes it amazing. At the time, that's all a memory. We have no idea what we were experiencing at the time. Because <laughs> that's just, it's reflection. Um, I mean, that, 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 you know, it makes me think about like the, with this sort of deep kind of habit or conditioning, whatever you want to call it, of like, I really want to find, I mean, I'm even thinking back on, speaking of memory, like 20 some years ago when when I had an experience that definitely sort of catapulted me into the understanding that I now write about at the mm -hmm. time it did. This was 20 years ago? Yeah, about mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And And I remember like, even in the wake of that, there was a sense of like, things kind of, it wasn't quite as intense, like a little bit later in the day. You know, there was a certain intensity initially to kind of what was being recognized. And that intensity sort of faded and it changed and, and it felt like, you know, kind of a little bit more normal. I was sitting like in a meditation later in the day and, and I could feel this familiar sense of like, hmm, I kind of want to get that intensity back. Like I want to have that mm -hmm. high again mm -hmm. of what I was feeling because it was so, you know, awesome. startling and felt a kind of uh, elation and ecstasy in a sense. And um, and I just remember, like, it, it came through almost like a communication from life itself of like, just feel what's here, and and see how it is more than enough. In fact, it's nothing but filled with the most extraordinary grace and this flow of life that's always here. So the part of us that's like ah, looking for some better moment, some greener grass on the other side. It, this this is this is greener than green this is this is this is the absolute reality like we are experiencing this is the miracle there's not some other moment that's more miraculous there's not some other moment that is more full of life this is 150% full on radiance always so just see that just see that, that this is always the case. <laughs> I, as you were pointing and I, oh my God, I, I have to like, it's just too much, man. Like you just, you can't, it's so good right now. It's so perfect. It's so this, when you just surrender to it, it just comes rushing in. There's nothing, you just feel everything. Beautiful. Um, George, the speed of light is finite. Even what we perceive as now is past. Well, this is something we talked about last time that what we think is even the present moment, how can we even define that? Because it's like a train, you use the model of a train coming towards you. When can you say the train is here and when can you say it's leaving? You can't. It's just this process of flow, this indescribability. And even, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know about light, but but basically there's a chapter in my last book about the, that I call, I mean, I, I'm a scientist by training, um, but I, I talk in the book about the impossibility of measurement. Yeah. That you can't, <laughs> because you're dealing with infinities ultimately, you know, like how in that chapter I talk about like mm. having a scale to measure your weight, right? And 
you know, you could get a scale that could measure, you know, let's say you're 180 pounds and, and it's like, you get a more accurate scale and actually, no, 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 it's more precise. You're 180.1 pounds and then you get another 180.3 pounds. And then, you, no, 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 you can get even more accurate. You're not 180.3 pounds, you're 180.29 pounds. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let me get a more accurate scale. You're actually 180 point, you know, and on and on and on. It's like, in other words, again. you'll yeah. never, ever Have an find, yeah. I can't actually tell how much you weigh. Measurement's impossible. And that's the but, quant- but quantum good, mechanics. But it's good enough, right? Yeah, in, that in we can shorthand it. We can shorthand it. Right? And that, actually, even that unknowability is baked into quantum mechanics equations that allow us to have something as knowable as a phone. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently knowable as a phone. That's, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy. Melissa White says, yes, years ago I found trying to get the perfect shot for friends and family took me out of great moments, stopped clicking and started feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This word feeling, you know, mm-hmm. it can sound very hippy dippy and kind of right. a little new agey, but the truth <laughs> is that the phrase feel into it, when you really understand what that is, you your, your entire environment is your sense organ in a way. You're feeling into every, the whole moment is manifesting as this. Well, and like a lot of practices, uh, at least the way I sort of approach it is, you're discovering through the practice that that what you're practicing is what's always happening. Mm. So all there is, is the, what else is there but the feeling of the moment? Right. I mean, actually, that's a real question. Like, is there anything ever going on besides? How can there be? Or something, like someone will say, well, like notice or be aware of the moment. Again, all there is is the noticing of the moment. That's what the (laughs) moment is. The moment is the noticing of the moment, isn't it? It's inseparable. Uh, The moment is the awareness of the moment. So awareness is, from that standpoint, is not something needs to be practiced. Just see that all there is is the awareness of this. You can see it that's knowingly. It. You can see it from the standpoint of, of of knowing that that's what's occurring, maybe? Or is even that saying too much? <laughs> well, uh, the way I would say it is that it's what's always happening when there's some recognition that that's what's always happening. Then it's like the humans we find ourselves to be, uh, experience ourselves at one level to be, the humans that are having experience now get to partake of that which has been noticed. We get to enjoy it that much more because, wow, I mean, even the simplest thing, like notice that this moment is alive, if I just say that. Mm. Of course the moment is, all all it is is alive. (laughs) Somehow when you just take one second to notice that the moment is alive, Mm. that aliveness in a way, seems to come more to the fore. It's it an orientation. Come, it, yeah, it's like it's it comes alive. Attunement. But of course, see that there's just the aliveness. It's always been like and then, that. And then I sense, I think that just becomes more and more of a kind of default kind of understanding that sort of increasingly bleeds into all of your moments where it's just more of a, there's just a recognition that there's just the noticing of the moment. There's just mm. this presence of the moment. Um, without necessarily having to explicitly bring attention to that because you just start to see that it's the case whether you're explicitly bringing attention to it or not, right? Because a moment of so-called inattention is a moment of attention. Something's being yeah, attended something's to Something's being always. attended to, always. 
Always, even in deep sleep, it seems like. You could say attention is just reality, just engaged with itself. And reality is always engaged with itself. Mm. Yeah. When is it not engaged with itself? That, that's, that's all there is, is reality engaged with itself. And this is amazing. It's amazing to feel that, to just, to me, it just, it just, uh, well, what did she say? Ashley, you know, it brings tears, you know, mm. because it's just, I don't know. I can't say why. <laughs> I don't have to know L why. LJ Reagan says, uh, when you look back on a memory and realize you were so in the moment, in the now, that you didn't know you were in the now. It's, it's the same. It's exactly what you're pointing at. Right. You're always in the now. You didn't have to be reflecting on the fact yeah, you that you're in have, the now. I mean, it doesn't take like, reflective consciousness to point out conceptually that you're in or out of the now. Because there's only the now. There's you're always where else are you, nowhere else you can be. Try to find somewhere that is other than now that you can be. That's that's a fun exercise. You're always yeah. I mean, you 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 were titling our little dialogue be being here now, right? And that comes from uh, um, Ramdas, was it? Well, Ramdas had a book called Be Here Now, a very famous book that was a a catalyst for for many you know, sort of spiritual seekers, mm. myself included, but many mm. people I know, and. And I talk in, in, in my book about how you hear those words, you know, they're uttered by Ramdas and other, you know, be here now. It sounds like a prescription, right? Like I'm going to practice being here now. And so I, I walk people through in the book this kind of inquiry just to, to kind of pick that apart and go, okay, let's look at that. Be here now, being here now. Notice that you're always being. Hmm. So being is here, right? <laughs> Now notice that the being, the sense of being, which we always have, is always occurring here, right? It's always here. It's not, there's no over there as if it's somehow, no, it's here. It's right here, as in present, here. So being is always here. And when does that occur? It always occurs now. So being here now is really more a description of the way reality is. It's always being, it's always here, and it's always right now. So it's unavoidable. It's not really something that has to be cultivated. It's just the way it is. Reality being here, now. Pretty simple. It's a description, not a prescription. Exactly. Yeah, it's what's always it's and what's already always the, the case. case. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's not hard. That's the thing, but it's apparently very hard. Yeah, <laughs> we can apparently we very can hard. we can imagine that. Uh, I mean, why do we sit on a cushion for thirty years? I have a kind of a semi-humorous chapter in the book called "The Olympic Athlete Model of Enlightenment," and I and I talk about how <laughs> when we think about achieving greatness as humans, we have this sort of notion of well, it obviously takes a lot of time and effort and discipline to become a master at piano or dance or physics or golf. Um, and people with the rare, maybe savant exceptions of people like a Tiger Woods who's almost, or a Mozart, that almost seem to fall out of the womb having some kind of extraordinary capacity. Most of the time that capacity gets developed through a lot of hard work and effort, right? And then I think we, we sort of take that notion of to realize something great and meaningful and important and you know 
develop. It takes time and discipline and effort to develop. You know, if I want to be a great golfer or ice skater or gymnast or musician, right? It's going to take effort. And in a sense, it does, right? I've spent years, you know, as a classical guitarist and then just as a musician. Um, and yeah, it took a lot of practice. But this doesn't apply to what we're talking about. Effort is not the effort and time is not really what's required because I was born being here now. I was not born a great golfer or a great phys physician or a great physicist or dancer. No. But 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 this is native to us. This intelligence is native to us. This consciousness is native to us. This ever-present presence is the very it's it's built into the very fabric of each and every moment. In that sense, the Olympic model of development doesn't apply in this regard in the same way because you, know, you already you already are what you are. You don't no amount of effort is going to make you more the ground of being that you are. You are the ground of being, period. So um but we, but we often think it it we have to like kind of fight our way to it work our way to it, effort our way to finally become free, to be liberated. It's like, well, it just so happens that liberation is the nature of every moment. So so you guys just wasted an hour and 40 minutes watching us because you're, you're already, I mean, <laughs> come on guys, like smash that like button. <laughs> and, and, <it's, laughs> and it seems like it can be helpful to hear people remind us of that somehow. That's, no, that's, see, that's the paradox. I've certainly found that to be the case that's in my the own paradox. life. So. That's why I like hanging out with John. Because he always points right to what's already and always the case, but apparently we don't see it. You know, it it, it can feel like if it can feel like it's somehow not here. It can that, feel like, wow, where is that freedom? That, where is that peace? Where is that beingness? That and then then there's an opportunity in those moments to look and see, hmm, you know, oh, what it actually yeah, is here, right here. But that was the uh, Gospel of Thomas line mm. Jesus uh, spoke was. The kingdom of heaven, they, they were asking, his apostles were mm -hmm. asking him, hey, Jesus, when am I, when's the kingdom of heaven? What do I need to do mm -hmm. to get the kingdom of heaven to show up? Mm -hmm. And he says, you don't need to do anything. The kingdom of heaven is spread upon the earth, yet men do not see it. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it's a beautiful line. Spread, the kingdom is not somewhere else. No. It's spread across the earth. Yes. See, there's no duality There's there. no duality, it's here. It is. Here the, now. The, this is the heavenly realm. Yes. The beatific vision is that cup, you know, is this microphone. Um, it is when you really, yeah. When, when you when you let it be, yeah. When when you when you don't merely see it, uh, in terms of how we tend to define it, because yeah. again, the definitions create the seeming hierarchies mm. of some of the pieces of reality are more reality than other pieces, or some of the pieces right are more mm. fill in the blank, more peaceful, mm. more liberated, um, more more beneficial. Mm -hmm. More meaningful, and so on. That's the hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. That's created as a function of 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 reification, of defining, and again, it has its place. Again, I mean, that's part of life is the, the, all these seeming hierarchies: pleasure, pain, right, good, bad. But again, there's a there's a way to cut through that hierarchy and see what is it that makes all of this as a as a Dzogchen Tibetan tradition says that what is the equalness and evenness of everything? What is it that makes everything? What is the same about all of this? The one and taste. The yeah. one taste, exactly. Mm -hmm. The one taste. Mm. Mm.
I think we did a thing, John Aston. Well, it was fun. I, I, I'm, I'm happy that it looks like there were all these people participating. I'm sorry yeah. we couldn't be with you in person and responding uh, real time, well, you know, um, and engaging with all of you. But uh, it was nice um, that some people were joining us. It yeah, it's so. a really great group, and I recognize a lot of names. And this is just in the live. And Pippananda says, uh, Jesus also said, "Look under a rock, and there." I am. I love that. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. So good. Uh, I think that's in the Gospel of Thomas as well. Ah, ah, yeah. I, 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 Melissa says, uh, wasted, because I was talking about the show. She says, LOL, y'all are better than a bajillion hours of therapy. <laughs> I'm all, ah, she got the emoji with the drooling in the best way. Sincere thanks to both of you. Oh, Violet's here. Oh, Violet. Hey, Violet. <laughs> Angelo's partner, Violet. Um, nice to catch the end of your chat. Well, Violet, we're all sharing this indescribable isness right now. Sweet. And by we, I mean no one. <laughs> Just this. Just this. Loving that it. That's great. I almost want to see who else will show up here. George Shepard, how can one thing happen without everything else happening at the same time? The mind reels. That, that's like, Puts mine on tilt. That Puts question. it on. Yep. Yeah. It's it's like what's the sound of one hand? I was or, just going to yeah. say that was a good koan, but <laughs> it has no koan. answer. So. Has no answer. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, wonderful. Well, shucks, man, because I'm pretty sure we're going to have to pee in a minute here. We've been doing this for an hour and forty two minutes. What do you say? Should we uh, say bye? Just give it a wrap. Give it a wrap. That's good. John Aston, the book. This extraordinary moment is on Amazon. I'll put links to your stuff. You're a teacher too, so people can find you uh, for my website has. Everything you you know might be curious about. Um, I've got like hundreds of videos there where I am exploring what just we've been exploring there. JohnAston.com is my website if you want to find me there. I, I do a weekly uh, Zoom meeting, which is a lot of fun uh, Sunday mornings, California time, if anyone wants to ever hop on that. so And those Zoom meetings, people think, you know, and I've been a critic of Zoom for things like um, education mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, canceling school to do Zoom or meeting with people when you could just see them right here. Yep. But when you can't, what I've found, my experience with Zoom and those kind of things is it is actually really powerful. Yeah, I've been amazed because I've been both teaching this kind of stuff and also I'm a college professor teaching psychology students this stuff too. Oh yeah. He's which is sneaky. Fun. Yeah. Um, he's like, we're learning psychology. Also yeah. there's no things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I have been amazed at like how a lot can get relayed somehow via zoom. So, mm -hmm. which is nice because it does enable people like on my, my Sunday zooms, I've got people from all over the world participating, which that makes it nice. Isn't that nice? That we can all be together ah. in some kind of wild virtual way. I mean, um, maybe, that, that's an incredible thing itself. Maybe right. Zuck is onto something with this metaverse, man, when they solve some of the tech difficulties of it. Right now it feels so janky, but you could see how it's the energetics of it more than anything. You know, mm. you feel the other people's presence, like a virtual silent retreat is such a powerful experience. Well, I think an aspect of it is that particularly because the exploration, like in my meetings is all about exploring your experience. Um, it's not about who you think I might be as the person sort of facilitating mm -hmm. the exploration. It's about you investigating your experience and you can investigate your experience, whether you're in person with someone mm -hmm. else or other people or you're on zoom. And mm -hmm. so the richness of experience doesn't disappear on zoom. And maybe that's one reason it's still powerful. Uh, that's great. That's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. I love it. 
All right, John. Thanks, Z. Such a joy, brother. Pleasure. Such a joy. Thank you guys for joining us live for this being of here now, which is always and already the case. <laughs> We've done nothing really. <laughs> Two non-beings have done absolutely nothing for no one. It's ideal. I'll put this up on our podcast uh, for people to listen to who want to listen uh, rather than watch. They don't want to burn through all their data. And uh, I can't wait to have you on next time, man. I look forward to it. All right, brother. Now Thanks. I got to figure out how to end this. Let's see. I think I hit this button that says end stream. Does that, that sounds, sounds about right? Sounds good Big to me. red button that says don't push unless you want to end the stream. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, folks. <laughs> hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.